This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Mike Rosenbaum. And we are in the midst of the World Series. As we record this, the Dodgers are up three games to two. Uh, We're going to take a look at how our predictions are looking. We're going to talk about how the rookies are doing in the World Series, including, of course, the incredible, amazing Brandy Rose Arena. We are going to do a World Series scouting reports quiz. We're going to quiz Jim and Mike on players in this year's World Series. We're going to look back at their scouting reports from when they were prospects and quiz these guys on who is who. Uh, we're also going to get some reports from instructional league play. Uh, all the teams are, well, almost all the teams are partaking in instructional league play right now. Mike's going to uh, talk a little bit about a few teams that he's been in contact with, and then we'll wrap up the show by answering your questions. Guys, World Series so far, it's been exciting. Three games to two. I think probably about what people expected out of the series. Does that Does that seem right to you? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody saw Game Four coming uh, the way it way it did. But I mean, I, I think when we made picks, well, I mean, I picked the Dodgers in six. So as we record this, I feel pretty pretty good about that. But I mean, I think we expected a close series. Um, I think Mike, you had the Rays in six, right? And Jason, you had the Dodgers yep. in five. Correct. So we so, are out of the running. Yeah, it's either Mayo either Mayo wins uh, with Rays in seven, or Jim wins with uh, Dodgers in six. But yeah, you know, I was just gonna say. I mean, I mean, I think I, I know when I looked at this coming into the series, I, I you know I, I think we have the best team in each league. I, I didn't think it was gonna be one sided. To, to me, I thought the difference when I picked the Dodgers in six was I thought their lineup was a little deeper, um, and that was gonna be the difference. I, I, I don't know if that's the biggest difference right now. I mean, Clayton Kershaw has pitched a couple of, of pretty big games for the Dodgers and. You know, we, you know, ending maybe that tired discussion over, you know, what's wrong with Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs. But um, no, I mean, I, it's, you know, we, we had one of the, the greatest World Series games of all time, the crazy finish to game four. And, you know, the, the nice thing is the games have been very competitive and, and compelling until the end in most cases. So uh, I, I hope we get at least one or two more games like that. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you, Jim, that I, I think that, uh, you know, all of us, we were kind of just expecting a, a close, uh, you know, very competitive series, which is all why we all selected, you know, anywhere from five to seven games. Um, and I think that it's, uh, uh, you know, I, I would hate to see Jim win this and Jim's prediction be right. But uh, I, I think there's a chance. And, um, you know, if not, then it's all on Jonathan to take it home. Uh, if Jim does win the world series prediction. He, he also hands me the, uh, the overall postseason title. So I, I'll, I'll make that trade I, because the, I think the, uh, the overall postseason picks, that's what the 25 grand is on the line for, I believe. So yeah, I'll, I'll take that. And actually 
If the Dodgers beat the Rays, I will have hit on 12 of the 15 series, which will be one shy of Jim and Jonathan's picks combined. Wow. So I need that you, to happen. Do you know something that, that we don't? I I did. I knew who was going to win all these series. Nice. Uh, so, guys, it, we, we can't talk about the World Series, uh, this World Series, this postseason, without talking about Randy Rosarina. We do it every week now. Uh, he continues to defy the odds and put up astounding numbers. And this has led to a number of interesting sort of internal conversations among our crew. Uh, among them, where does this performance rank among the list of the all-time greatest rookie postseason performances? Jim, you did a story uh, where you ranked the top 20 of all time. That was pretty heavily weighted, I would say, toward players who whose teams won the World Series. The top 10 are all on World Series winners. Um, kind of a difficult list to put together, I think, because as you've, you've mentioned a few times, it's kind of comparing apples to oranges when you're looking at, uh, you know, postseasons that used to uh, span just the World Series only. And now we're talking about this year, four rounds of playoffs. Uh, looking at your list, where do you see a Rose Arena fitting in? Well, see, and this is just going to anger people because I, I noticed MLB Pipeline running the poll yesterday, asking people where they thought Randy Rosarina would fit on the all-time rookie playoff performances, and I think 65% said they would put him at number one. And you, you're right. I mean, the, the list is tough because it is apples and oranges. Like, number one on our list is Charlie Keller, who in 1939 uh, had a 1658 ops in the World Series, tripled and scored the winning run in game one, homered twice in game three, homered and, and knocked out catcher Ernie Lombardi at, at a collision at the plate and the decisive play in game four. So like he only had one round. He only had four games. He tore it up, you know, and then you come, like you said, to the, the wild card era or this season where you have three or four rounds of the playoffs and it's much easier to accumulate counting numbers, but it's harder to keep your rate stats up high. And, and I, I did factor in both dominance and whether you ultimately won. And I know this, if it's me making the decision, if the Rays don't win the World Series, I would probably put Randy Orozarena 11th on this list. And I know people right now, especially Tampa Bay, are like, what? He's hit. I've already lost track. Is it nine homers? Is it 10? You know, 27 hits. You know, he's had, you know, an unbelievable postseason. But just looking at our list, the number 10 guy on our list, Jason, one of your, your, your favorite players of all time, Duster Mails, threw 15 and two-thirds shutout innings in the 1920 World Series and guaranteed a shutout before his game six start and went out and threw a three-hitter to win one nothing. The number nine guy on the list, I'm not going to count them all down, Larry Sherry, won, he was World Series MVP in 1959. He won two games and he saved the Dodgers other two victories. I mean, you know, I would say the other factor, too, when you look at this thing is I think it's a lot easier for a pitcher to dominate, especially in, you know, series, you know, maybe it's a single world series. But I guess in my mind, the way I've reconciled this is I think if we're talking about overall postseason, you know, if we're talking about postseason performance, I, I would put Randy Rosarena 11th right now unless they come back and win the World Series and he continues to rake. 
But I think if you were looking at this from the perspective of greatest sustained performances, then you could probably, you'd probably put Randy Rosarena number one, if that made sense. The, the headline of the story is not greatest sustained performances of all time. Correct. All time, so. I, I, I will guess, put him 11th and Twitter will, will get mad at me. So, but that's Very fine. mad, very mad. I mean, I think the most common response to that poll, I mean, you, you said that approximately two-thirds of the people who voted uh, said he should be number one, but the most common response was that we shouldn't even be talking about where he ranks among all-time great rookie performances, but just among the greatest performances of all time, period. Yeah, and again, I think it's the same thing. I mean, if you are factoring in winning championship, yeah, you know, it's to be honest, I hadn't thought about this when we did this story originally because we conceived of it before Andy Rosarena went crazy. But I almost think if we were doing the story again, I would break it out in a like pre wild card and post wildcard separate list, because I just think it's, it's, it's not even comparable. I mean, you know, number two on the list is Pepper Martin who had a great world series in 1931. You know, Mike Boddicker, 1983 pitched twice through two complete games, didn't give up an earned run, but he only pitched twice. So, I mean, you know, and they won the world series. So it's just, it's, it's, it's totally different scenario. I, I think the only guy on here who pitched multiple rounds because of the strike was Fernando Valenzuela in 1981 who worked, which seems crazy to imagine anybody doing this, even in this postseason, 40 and two thirds innings in the postseason, And, uh, you know, had three huge wins in five postseason starts. Yeah. Every player in the top 10 is pre wildcard era. And then you start getting into some more recent players, Jorge Soler, Kyle Schwarber, I, my, my favorite part of Jim's argument about uh, where Rosa Arena should go is when he gives Duster Males extra credit for predicting his shutout. I, Rosa Arena should just start pointing out his home runs before he hits them and move right up Jim's list. Yeah, we give him a little extra credit, but I, I still, he's going to have a hard time. Surpa- you know, Duster Males didn't give up a run in 15 and two thirds innings. So, um, you know, and they won the World Series. So it's it just, it, 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 I think there's some, Definitely some recency bias. The typical fan probably has no idea who Duster Mails is. I'll admit I didn't know much about Duster Mails. I'd heard the name. I mean, I, I've heard of Larry Sherry and Gene Beard and Paul Dean. I was aware of their heroics. But it's all like, you know, hey, I'm watching Randy Rosarena right now. What do you mean he's not the best of all time? And uh, it, It's just it's tough with these pitchers, especially in a seven-game series. If World Series, you go out and, and you pitch great two or three times. I mean, that's a huge impact you know, and you don't have to sustain it over multiple rounds. So that, that that's, that's my final answer right now. I would put him 11th. If we're doing greatest sustained performances, he, he'd probably be number one, unless you wanted to give Fernando Valenzuela extra credit for, for winning the world series. Maybe. Now, another thing regarding Randy Rose arena that has people up in arms, um, including some of our pals over at uh, MLB network is where Randy Rose arena ranks on our latest prospect list now uh he is not in the top 100 overall prospects list he is i think it is fair to say shockingly low on the Rays' top 30 prospects list and i'm being i'm being a little delicate here because uh the uh the owner of that list is is uh, part of today's podcast the architect uh, the architect <laughs> Um, but there's, there's a lot 
uh, to consider here. Um, and we've talked about this at length and um, we're, we're going to, we're actually going to delve into this. We're going to write a story about this very thing. Uh, but let's, let's talk a little bit about the Randy Rosarina currently ranks number 19 on the Rays top 30 prospects list. How did that happen? Well, I think one thing uh, that's really important to keep in mind this year, given the unusual circumstances of the season, is that we didn't have a normal ranking process. Um, we, our midseason ranking consisted of, of only adding draft picks. There was no movement because we thought it would be unfair to penalize guys, considering that um, you know not, not every player had the same opportunity this year. So that explains why he's still 19th. But also, the guy hadn't even played... Um, a game for the Rays in the big leagues by the time we did that re-rank. So there really was no opportunity to see how he progressed from the previous year um, since, since joining the Rays in the offseason trade. A and, um, you know, at the time, 19th isn't all that crazy considering that this is the top-ranked farm system that has a ton of depth. And if you look at, um, you know, Randy's grades across the board, except for power, which we were low on, they're still all 50 or 55. So, like, we're, I'm projecting him to be a big leaguer, um, you know, not a, not a superstar like he's, he's playing right now in the, in, in the world series. But, um, you know, in retrospect, yes, we were light on the grades, light on the ranking, but I think that there's an argument to be made that at that time it was appropriate. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll back Mike on that too. Not that you're, you're savaging him or anything, Jason, but you know, he was, you know, coming into this year when you're ranking him in baseball's best farm system, he was coming into his age 25 season. He put up big numbers in AAA in half a season last year, but with the jacked up baseball, a lot of guys put up huge numbers and he was repeating the league. I mean, he put, he put up a 676 ops and hit 230 in AAA the year before. And if you kind of split the difference and even that would probably be a little bit kind because the ball is all jacked up in AAA last year, you know, it's not like those numbers screamed at you. Oh, this is a can't miss guy. It, it's, it's just such a weird scenario where, you know, just because of the pandemic, he hadn't played, you know, there isn't a normal season, you know, like Mike said, you know, you, you don't, you know, we, we didn't get the chance to, to, to see what he was becoming. And while, I, I mean, I know I, I think I advocated maybe more stronger than others that like, yeah, you know, we probably should put this guy on our top 100 list because I can compare him to individual outfielders on the top 100, even though he's 25 now. I take him over those guys. At the same time, <laughs> I told Greg Amsinger and Harold Reynolds when they're giving me a hard time about this. I know Jonathan went on the, on the network with him last night to discuss it too, that at the beginning, you know, all these people were like, oh, how, you know, how can he be so low? Nobody was clamoring even after, you know, he had, you know, 64 powerful at-bats in the big leagues at the end of the regular season saying, oh, Randy Rosarena has got to, you know, move way up the raise list and he's got to go, you know, on the top 100. Nobody was saying that till the playoffs started. So it's just kind of an unusual situation. If it makes you feel better, Mike, I'll, 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 I'll go reach back into the past and tell you a, a similar story for me kind of in reverse where one year when I was at baseball America, I did the Red Sox top 10 prospect list. And it was probably 93, 94, somewhere around there, maybe 95. In any case, I ranked Donnie Sadler <laughs> as the number one prospect in the organization ahead of uh, Trot Nixon and Jeff Supon and Nomar Garcia Parra. And in retrospect, <laughs> that looks terrible. But at the time, 
And I'm not going to say, oh, I was right. But like, I, I know what the process, my process was a good one. I mean, Donnie Sadler had, you know, advanced hitting skills, off the chart speed, controlled the strike zone well, sneaky pop, played great as a 20-year-old in the low class A Midwest League. This was, uh, I guess, a play way of putting it pre, uh, uh, pre-strengthened Nomar garcia Parra. Let's just put it that way, where Nomar did not have a lot of power. And Donnie Sadler looked like, and he was a, he was a shortstop. Donnie Sadler looked like he was going to be a stud. And I still wonder what Donnie Sadler might have become had the Red Sox not made the horrible decision to skip him two levels and switch him to center field on the fly the next year because he needed a center fielder in Boston. And he kind of never was the same player again. But it's, you know, it's one of those things that, yeah, it looks kind of silly <laughs> that Randy Rosarena is 19th on the Rays list. But, you know, as Mike detailed, you know, the process made sense. You know, Baseball America had him 14th on their list. You know, they're, you know, they do a top 30 as well. So it's, it's not like Randy Rosarena was this can't miss guy that everybody had in their top 100. I, I think if you would, if we'd redone our list and, and Baseball America had redone their list at the end of the regular season, there's no way we would put Randy Rosarena. We would have said, oh, that guy needs to go in the top 100. And it seems a little bit weird to do it on the basis of, you know, three tremendous weeks in the postseason. Um, but I, I guess the reason I'm for doing it is, even though he's older, the, the, the tools are apparent and small sample size or not. I mean, he has torn up the majors in, in the regular season and the postseason. And one thing with uh, Randy that makes it really easy to to look at now and be like, why is this guy not ranked higher? Is that since he's in the big leagues, we have access to a lot of, of the metrics and the hard data to, to uh, you know, quantify what type of player he is. And we see that he's got elite speed, um, that he's got above average barrel and hard hit rates that he doesn't really chase. So, so um with that information, it's a lot easier, you know, from from the couch to make an assessment that he's better than the the 19th prospect in the Rays organization. So at this point, we have not uh, definitively re-ranked him, but guys, looking at the rankings, and, and you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna come to a decision right now on the podcast, but looking at the rankings, and we've talked about this a little bit, and I think it, I have a general idea where does he go, uh, both in terms of the top 100 prospects list and the raise list. So it, let's start with the raise list. Um, this is, you know, the best top 30 list uh, in baseball. So y- you start there. Um, they have the number one overall prospect in all of baseball in Wander Franco. So that's, that's number two. Um, they have, what do they have? Six top 100 prospects overall. Um but when you look at the list, how many of these guys can you can you take ahead of a Rosarina at this point? I think it's tough to say just because we haven't updated these rankings in quite some time. So the names don't really line up as well as they did, you know, back in, in July when we updated our, our top 100 and, and you know made some slight tweaks to the team top 30 list. But uh, Jim, we were talking about a little bit and, and we both kind of liked Randy as high as... Um, somewhere in the six to eight range, I think we were discussing on the raise list. Yeah, it was funny because I did it as an inbox question a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and Randy has continued to rake. It's, it's, I think you could argue him almost wherever you want. And I actually think we'll talk about the top 100 in a second. I think what we'll probably wind up doing is figuring out where we want to put him on the top 100 and that will determine where he fits on the raise list because they have six yep. top 100 guys. That said, 
you know, like, I mean, I'm not taking him over Wander, Wander Franco, who's, you know, five or six years younger than, than a Rosarena is, you know, the Brendan McKay question who Brendan McKay's number two is, is, is interesting because Brendan McKay had shoulder surgery, right? Like, you know, what, you know, how's he going to bounce back from that? We don't know. You know, I, I personally, and again, I hate doing this, but based on the, I mean, he has tools to go with it. Right. I, I, I think because I know what he can do. I personally, if, if you gave me my choice between him and Vidal Brujan, I would probably take Randy Rosarena right now over Vidal Brujan. Now that said, I think when we figure out what we're doing with him, Vidal is 41 on our top 100 list. I don't think we're going to put Randy Rosarena at 41. I, I kind of approach this probably from a different angle because I don't do our raise list. Like I, I started looking at outfielders on the top 100 and thinking, okay, would I rather have him than this guy? Would I rather have him than that guy? Where would he fit? I mean, the, the, the irony is he's probably going to wind up very close to Matthew Libertor on the list or, or somewhere in that range maybe after you know Libertor was the key prospect the Cardinals got back in the trade. Yeah, so looking at the top 100, uh, Libertor is number 52 overall. Um, you look at the outfielders – who are on the top 100 list and the top 10 are Jared Kelnick, Christian Pache, Dylan Carlson, Julio Rodriguez, Drew Waters, JJ Bladet, Riley Green, Alex Kirilov, Christian Robinson, and Alex Thomas. And I, I pose this question to you guys. Uh, would you take all 10 of those guys? Is there anyone on that list that you would take, w- would not take a Rosarina? Uh, ahead of, or did I say that backwards that you would take a Rosarina ahead of? I would not. I mean, I think if you could, if you were making a case based on, you know, present value right now. And the fact that the, the Diamondbacks outfielders, both of whom I like, haven't played above a ball, maybe you could make that case, but I, I would, I would not take him over 19 year old Christian Robinson or 20 year old Alec Thomas. And, and just to, since Jim's mentioning ages, all, all of the 10 outfielders you just mentioned, Jason, are age 22 or younger, um, you know, and, and Randy's 25. So I think that's something to consider as well. Yeah, for sure. I think the age has to really be a, a consideration here. If Randy goes on the top 100 list, he is he becomes the second oldest player on the list. He's nearly 26 years old. Um, I believe the only older player on the list is... Uh, Dunning, is that right? I think we said Dunning is uh, about to turn 26 in December. Um, so a Rosarina is nearly 26 years old. Um, kind of a situation where you're you're comparing apples to oranges with him versus all these, uh, you know, 19, 20-year-old outfield prospects. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys have any other examples in mind of a player um, that entered the list at that age. Um, I wouldn't think there are too many. I, I can't. Cause I mean, you'd have to almost be somebody who, who like a Rosarena came from Cuba, you know, signed late um, and, you know, bounced around the minors for a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's just such a unique, you know, it's a unique situation for him. It's a unique situation with COVID and the playoffs this year. I mean, if you extend that outfield list further, you know, the, the next outfielders after that top 10, there's Jason Dominguez, who 
is hard to rank because on ceiling he'd be in the top 10, but he has yet to make his pro debut. Zach Veen, uh, you know, best high school player in this year's draft. Taylor Trammell, two more guys from this year's draft, Heston Kerstad, Garrett Mitchell. Then you get guys like Elliot Ramos and Hunter Bishop and Brennan Davis, Brandon Marsh, Robert Hassel, Jesus Sanchez. I mean, I, you know, when I look at those guys, and again, it's a weird list because in a normal year, guys would have moved up and down based on performance. Well, we didn't get the chance to have that happen this year. I mean, guys, some guys play in the big leagues. I, I don't think I would take him over Jason Dominguez or Zach Veen. Taylor Trammell is 23. And Taylor Trammell's kind of leveled off a little bit in the minors. And I really like Taylor Trammell. I think I would take Randy Rosarino over Taylor Trammell. Now, the top 100 doesn't just work like that because, while that's the case, I might not take him over somebody who's lower. But just looking at the outfielders, I, I think right now, you know, I, I take Randy Rosarino over Taylor Trammell. And even though there's, you know, th- there is some swing and miss to Randy Rosarino's game, th- there's swing and miss in Taylor Trammell's game too. And, and the power is not 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 close in my mind or you know i, I think randy rosarena has got a full grade better power and that's great because Tremel ranks number 51 on the top 100 list and number 52 is matthew libertor so <laughs> we're, we're honing in on a spot for randy that is right next door to matthew libertor all right we're going to take a break when we come back we're going to do some world series players scouting report trivia we'll be back with that right after this Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com slash MLB. GetRoman.com slash MLB. It's time for a little World Series Players Scouting Reports Trivia. So what we're going to do here, we are going to look back at some of the players who are currently playing in the World Series for the Rays and the Dodgers. We're going to look back at their scouting reports from when they were prospects. Our contestants, Jim Callis and Mike Rosenbaum, playing for, as always, $25,000. Not really. All right, guys. Let's lay out the ground rules here. Um, here's how this will work. I've got a list of players here. 
uh, all currently on World Series on one of the two World Series rosters. They at one time ranked uh, either in the top 100 prospects list, uh, prior to that the top 50 prospects list, or a team's top 30 prospects list. Um, I will read off a line of, from the scouting report. I'll give. I'll have three clues per player. I'll read off the first one. If you get, if either of you gets it right with the first clue, you'll get three points. If you get it right with the second clue, you'll get two points. If you get it right with the first clue, you will get one point. If you guess wrong on any of those clues, you will be docked that same number of points. And the clues will get progressively more revealing about the player. So, any questions before we get started, guys? I don't like the deduction system. Uh, I know you you're don't. disincentivizing us to guess on the first clue. I don't. I don't want any willy-nilly guesses, Jim. I want educated. I want okay. educated guesses <laughs> to go along with educated. Range. And how many of these are we doing? We'll see. Oh, okay, so <laughs> we we can't play. We can't try to hold on to a lead if uh, if we know there's only X number of questions. Okay. Time constraints. I will tell you that I have I have 20 loaded up. Okay. I don't know that we'll get there. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Player number one. While some concern was voiced over an up-and-down junior season, blank has outstanding bat speed and loft, which should translate to a lot of power as a professional. Pause. Oh. Will okay. Smith. Oh. You oh. not have an up-and-down junior season. So oh. That's minus three right there. Minus that's three, harsh. That's fine. I that's fine. Taking himself an early. Uh, you know, I, I think I might have an idea who this is, but I'm gonna I'm gonna wait, wait, wait until the oh. next question. Next clue number two. His swing can get long at times, but if he finds some consistency, he should hit for average and pop, just as he did during his pro debut. So you're incentivizing me to be conservative here. Clue number one. That was clue number two, wasn't it? That was clue number two, but I'm moving on to clue number one. Okay. Uh, well, I, I see you're calling the third clue clue number one. You confused me with that. Gotcha. Okay. Sorry. The one point clue. One point clue. He's a natural leader behind the plate who can run a pitching staff. Uh, one Buzz. Jim. I'm going to go with Mike Zunino. Mike Zunino is correct. All right. I, I thought it was Brandon Lau for a second. I'm glad I held off. Uh, that, that's after I guess Will Smith. I was thinking it was Brandon Lau as well. Yeah. All right. After one player, Jim one, Mike, negative three. Negative integers. Player number two. Blank gets good life on his low to mid-90s fastball. He's developed a good feel for his off-speed stuff, and his slider and changeup both have the potential to become plus offerings. He has cut his walk rate the past two years, but his control remains below average. All right, moving along to clue number two. Raw and projectable. When the blank picked him blank overall in the 20 blank draft, blank made steady progress through the minor leagues while physically maturing and improving as a pitcher before making a huge leap forward in 20 blank. That's totally not helpful. Really? <laughs> Too many blanks? Yes. Wrong projectable. That's fine. All right. He, he was drafted and he made progress. Okay. <laughs> All right. As dominant as Blank has been, there's still room for improvement, both physically and on the mound. The Blank's patience for developing pitchers has reaped significant rewards in buzz, the past. Buzz, buzz, buzz. 
Uh, Bl Blake Snell. Blake Snell is correct. Yes. Coming at you, Jim. Mike crawling back. Number three. Blank competes aggressively in all aspects of the game. At the plate, he has a fairly good approach and has shown pretty good gap power so far, though it looks like he might grow into more in the future. First clues are going to be tough. They could apply to many yep. players. That's why it's hard to guess, because you, you could get that minus three. Clue two. A solid runner. He runs well enough to steal a base now and again and to play center field, where his instincts allow his range to play up. He has a good enough arm to move to a corner if needed in the future. I'll guess, just for the sake of not being cautious. I'm going to say right. Manuel Margot. Jim. Dipping down. Negative one. It was going to be like somebody's going to win this like negative five to <laughs> with the way it's formatting. It's fine. Here we go. Having tools with a grinder type mentality usually leads to success. That's what the blanks hope will happen with blank, especially after a big second half of the 20 blank season, followed by playing for Team Israel in the World Baseball Classic qualifying and then the Arizona Fall League. You guys gotta get this uh buzz jock peterson jock peterson it is oh jim do you know how disappointed jonathan's gonna be in I, here? Uh, I, I thought i thought it was jock but it's i, I didn't want to guess it's fine i had forgotten that he played for team israel in the uh, qualifier i almost feel like you should give us the years on these because i can do that well what do you think mike or not what do you think um it's actually wait, i can't we, do that we okay that's fine then continue. I, I, I blanked him out so i don't have them. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> actual blanks Player number four, he has become a patient hitter and he is now strong enough to drive balls into the gap. Gaps. Yeah, good luck on that one. Number two, a multi-sport star in high school. It took blank a while to get his feet under him as a professional. Uh, I'll guess. I'll say Mookie Betts. It's Mookie Betts. Boogie Betts was number 62 on the 2014 Top 100 Prospects list. The final clue there was Blank's improvement was fueled by a better approach at the plate and the introduction of power into his game. Which I like that, as though he just introduced it. Like, it's like I'm, power, I'm bored. I'm going to start hitting for power. Exactly. Yeah. I'd like to introduce you to my power. <laughs> Player number five. Oh, uh, wait a second. Jim, you got two points there? I did. All right. You're into the lead with one point and Mike's negative one. Player number five. The left-handed hitter has shown that he can swing the bat and is strong enough to drive the ball in the gaps from time to time. <laughs> Not a lot there. At the very least, Blank has the ability to be a quality fourth outfielder at the big league level. If he can show he can hit more, there's a chance he could de develop into more than a backup. I think I knew who this might be, but I'm not going to risk two points. All right, final clue. Blank might be one of the better defensive outfielders. Buzz. In the Jim? I'm going to go with Kevin Kiermeyer. Kevin Kiermeyer is correct. Jim, two. Mike, negative one. Player number six. He can throw his pitches for strikes at any point in the count and aggressively goes after hitters. Clue two. His fastball-curve combination completely befuddled hitters in the lower levels of the minors, 
Upon reaching the Southern League, he started to mix in a changeup. Buzz. Mike. Walker Bueller. Not Walker God. Bueller. Final clue. Blank is so good. This sounds like this is starting to sound like the uh, match game. Blank How is, good so, is he? <laughs> he's so good that he'd likely still be the highest ranked pitcher on this list, even if he were right-handed. Buzz. Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw, it is. See, no, I, I'm going to register a protest Boyd. here. I thought it was Clayton Kershaw, but like, there's no point guessing because you risk too much by guessing early. But that's fine. You want to take you want to take away the penalties mid game? No, because I no. have a huge lead now, so I, I don't. But I no, almost feel like if we play this game again one. for future future editions of this game, Jason, I think the three point should be a one point penalty, two two like like it should be a lower penalty earlier, because it, or or just a negative one maybe for every wrong guess because it just disincentivizes you from guessing early. I, yeah. I'm I'm trying to work the angles here, but right. it, it's it's tough. And now Mike's gonna have to start gunning up three pointers here. Oh, I'm going for broke, yeah. As sure. we progress <laughs> deeper. So all right, here we go. Player number seven. With plus bat speed, blank should be able to hit for average and power, making consistent hard contact and driving the ball to all fields. That almost sounds like something I wrote, but I, I don't know which player it is. Blank's pure hitting skills, along with his instincts, could potentially allow him to move a little more quickly than some high school players. Final clue. A shortstop in high school, that's where he played in 20 blank during his pro debut. But with his size, third base should be a better Buzz. fit. Buzz. Ah, Jim got me. Corey Seager? Yeah. Corey Seager it is. We were just sitting there waiting for the last cue, uh, last I, I, cue to decide I, between Bellinger and Seager, weren't we? We were, and it's like, yeah. I'm, the thing is, I, I thought it was Seager, but again, I didn't want to guess. Like The one advantage I have here over Mike is, if it's, it's something I think I wrote, it's probably a Dodger. Um, I don't think you wrote that one though, did you? What, what it sounded kind of like what I what I might have written about Corey Seager, so I don't know. Yeah, that was that was from this 2013 write up. Okay, then it wasn't. Then it, then it was then it was not my Corey Seager write up. So I, I fooled myself there. Jim four, Mike negative one, player number eight, G. Oh, G. B. Choi, Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. Three points. <laughs> Minus three points for Ratliff. <laughs> Minus ten. Come on, that was G-Man Troy. I think I should get three points there. Come on. Terrible. Well, all okay. right. Moving right along. Player number nine. <laughs> or eight now. <laughs> Some scouts expect Blank to hit 10 to 15 home runs in the big leagues and steal as many as 30 bases. They project he'll hit between 260 and 270. Well, that's very specific. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I think I have a rough idea, but not going to risk too. it. Uh, not risking it yet either. Number Go. two. Scouts are split on blank. He has playable tools, but he sometimes looked like a top prospect that can help a big league team in a short amount of time. And other times he looks raw and crude in the field. Hmm. Now I'm totally perplexed. Final clue. They also wonder if he is best suited for second base, shortstop, or center field. Nobody questions Blank's athleticism or his bat, specifically his bat control and approach at the plate. Evaluators also like how he handles himself on the bases. He might not be the fastest runner, but he has a high baseball IQ. Buzz. 
Mike. Chris Taylor. Not Chris Taylor. Dang. Now, if scouts had expected that he would hit 10 to 15 home runs in the big leagues in a single postseason, they might have been a little more accurate in their in their scouting. Oh, uh, yeah. That's Randy Rosarino. Yep, I see now with the uh, – I didn't know he was an the infielder. second base, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize he was an infielder. So. Oh, I overlooked that. Yep. Free point for you, Jim. No, I don't, I don't get a point there. That's I fine. know, but you essentially do because I yeah. screwed up. Player number 10. Blank totaled just four homers in his first two pro seasons, making a greater impression for his smooth oh, left buzz. It's Cody Bellinger. Yeah. And I think I wrote that. You definitely wrote that. wrote that. You had the advantage <laughs> there. Jim seven, Mike negative one. No, Mike's got negative four. What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm, I Isn't definitely right? have more than negative one. I just, I mean, I. He's gotten two one pointers and he's yeah. taken a negative three, a negative two, a negative one. Man, good thing we're not keeping track, Jim. <laughs> Are you keeping track, Jim? I am. Because no, well, okay, that's good. why. Since you okay, just good. gave Mike three points, he didn't have. Come on. I'm I'm just doing all I can not to read off the player's name. <laughs> all right, Blank will have to prove the home runs weren't just a California League mirage, but he has always had solid pop waiting to be unlocked. I have an idea, but I'm going to wait. In addition to his power, Blank has excellent pitch recognition skills and remains adept at working walks. If you thought you had an idea and it was right, that should probably do it. it it's not who I thought it was. <laughs> if it is, then it's not this part Bad through. Number one, Blank is more athletic than his frame suggests, and he is an adequate defender at first base. He earns high marks for his makeup and understanding of the game. Oh, you're both stumped here. Yeah. No points awarded. Max Muncie. Mm. Okay. All right. Player number should have been 12 instead of 11. Blank is a pure hitter, one with terrific strike zone discipline and the ability to hit to all fields as well as get on base at a high clip. He has consistent pop to the gaps from the left side of the plate as well as sneaky raw power that he has started tapping into more consistently in 2017. I'll give you that here. He's not going to be a big threat on the base paths. His arm will play at second base where he makes... Joey Wendell? Oh, my... Come on. (laughs) I think this is your right. Finish that sentence. Come on. His arm will play at second base where he makes all the necessary plays. I think I know who it is, but I'll... Oh, y'all go ahead and get it. How about Brandon Lau? Brandon Lau is. I hate this game, you guys. <laughs> I don't know what the score is. It's Jim. nine to negative six. Nine to negative six. Blank looks the part. Tall, athletic, and projectable with five-tool potential. Can't I feel like I got any of those buzz. Buzz, got to go for it. Mike. Hunter Renfro. Let's do it. Come on. There's like two guys. There's like two guys who fit that bill. Come on. Was Hunter Renfro a five? Not, not, no, but I, I mean, he, he looked at the five. No. You don't yeah. know who wrote it, though. Like, they could have written it, like, in project, you know. Well, some guys call it five tools, five plus tools. Some guys consider five tools, mm-hmm. five average tools. It kind of depends on who wrote the report. Sorry. Right. Maybe well, this would have ruled out Renfro. 
A left-handed hitter, Blank has a smooth swing and a fairly advanced approach at the plate, leading many to believe he'll be at least an above-average hitter Smart in Jim. the future. You know I who see, it I think is. I you know who this is. is. But like, I, don't, I don't think he's... Well, you could still guess, can't What's you? The, no, I eliminated myself. Oh, really? Well, it's I don't like, know. You, you could get, you could get neg two more <laughs> negative points. Yeah, like, I don't know. I think you could guess if you want. I, I think it's two guys. Like, I'm having trouble deciding which two, two guys. Well, I know it's not two guys. Did you say he's a left-handed hitter? I did In say the first, Then I'll say Brett Phillips. Oh, not Austin Brett Meadows. Phillips. Austin Meadows. Ah, yep. Yeah, there you go. Now, the, the, you, I, you... the funny thing is I have a window with the rosters open, but I have them side by side, and Austin Meadows is covered up by the Dodgers window. So, damn it. If, if you... If you're both allowed to guess multiple times per player, then uh, Mike could make a Mike would have been comeback. guessing more on the ones right, he got one wrong more. before. In his first two years in the minor leagues, Blank looked more like a top-of-the-order hitter thanks to his patience, contact-oriented approach, and speed. He tweaked his swing in 2015, allowing him to tap into newfound power, and he hit 17 home runs after not homering in his first two years as a professional. He's also an above-average runner, giving him an intriguing power-speed combination. Um, buzz, and buzz. Finally, Can I buzz for the two-point attempt? Uh, I feel like this one is Chris Taylor. No way! <laughs> this one is not Chris Taylor. But it is someone that has already been guessed. Uh, I think I know who it is. But we'll, we'll just go ahead and wait for the next question. Blank speed I'll, I'll go out. Can I come in? Yeah, Can I do come it. in? I will guess. It's Brett Phillips. It is Brett Phillips. Did not homer in his first two years as a professional. All right. And with that, our final score is Jim 9, Mike negative 7. Is that what you Mike, got, Jim? No, yeah, Mike's got Mike's, negative Mike's well beyond negative 7. Oh, I, I, thought, uh, I thought you got a couple points there. Well, he I got two one-pointers, and he missed two three-pointers. Three I, thought two he got, pointers. I thought he just got two points for Meadows. Does it really matter? Anyway. Jim won. Jim won. Sure. There you go. That's fine. That's Jim, fine. I'll write you a twenty-five thousand dollar check. Um, you know, some, some, sometime. Poor, poor Sonny sometime, can't go yeah. to college now. So. Twenty-five thousand. Twenty-five thousand. All right, that's that's it for uh, this edition of uh, World Series Scouting Reports Trivia. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun, guys. Let's uh, shift gears here away from the World Series and into instructional league play. So uh, mentioned uh, as we got started with this podcast that most teams are underway in their instructional league now. And uh, Jim, this is, uh, you know, we're finally getting to actually see some minor league players, some prospects playing some baseball uh, outside of the, the big league stage now. Um, and for a lot of players, this is really their, their best opportunity to get some actual uh, action this year. Yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, this. Is, I don't think it's hyperbole to say this is probably the most important instructional league ever, to be honest. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about the alternative sites and what went on there. And especially for the, a lot of the contenders focused on big league ready players. So, you know, the, the vast, vast majority of prospects didn't get a chance to play anywhere this summer. Um, you know, like 
I, I'm just trying to think like if you, if you took the 30, 30 top thirties, we had, so that's 900 prospects, maybe, maybe a couple hundred of them got to play in the big leagues or alternative sites. And, and if you were at the alternative sites, it wasn't like you were playing games every day because the teams didn't have enough pitching and enough bodies to really do that. You know, you had coaches manning the outfield at times. So for, you know, I think, as far as we can tell, 28 of the 30 teams are having instructional league programs right now. Um, that's up from the usual numbers. A lot of teams had moved those closer to spring training. A lot of teams were doing them in January um, as a prelude to minor league spring training. But it's a, it's a chance to, you know, before you were limited by, you know, rules and protocols as to how many players you could work with, how many staff you could have in the instructional league, you could theoretically bring in as many players, as many staffers as you're comfortable with and try to get some, some badly needed innings and badly needed at bats for players. Cause I mean, this is going to be a, a huge setback just from a development standpoint of not, you know, being able to have guys play this year. All right, Mike, I know that you have, you've spoken to several clubs now uh, yeah. specifically about their instructional league um, and one of those teams being the nationals and they have some really interesting names uh, involved there. You look at their top 30 prospects list to give this a little context and all 10 of their top 10 players on that list are pitchers, the top seven, all right-handers. And I know uh, three of the bigger names there, the, Younger guys, their number one, two, and four prospects, Jackson Rutledge, Cade Caballi, and Cole Henry all uh, taking part in instructs. Yeah, and, um, you know, as you just mentioned, these guys are, are two, uh, three of the top four ranked prospects in the organization. And, and the last time that the Nationals had such high-end pitching prospects like this was, um, you know, when they had Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, Dane Dunning. And, of course, we know what happened to those guys, how that turned out. Um, you know, granted, it did net the nationals a, a world series and help contribute to the, to the world series title. Um, but, but club officials uh, are, are hopeful that this group of arms that they have in instructs right now can make it to the big leagues. Um, you know, not necessarily be trade pieces. That's obviously a possibility, but guys who could really be part of the rotation for a long time to come. And that includes, uh, you know, Cavalli and, and Cole Henry at the club's, um, you know, first round and second round picks this year. And Cavalli was at the alternate site and, you know, everyone I've talked to from the Nets has just been blown away with the quality of his stuff. Um, you know, four pitches, four four plus pitches at times. The fastball and curveball are especially good. But they've been really impressed with just his feel to pitch, um, his understanding of how to sequence his four pitches, and his aggressiveness. Uh, you know, mentioning him as like a bulldog type, but somebody who also has just you know, big power stuff. Um, he was a two-way player um, in college at Oklahoma. So there's still some untapped potential and rawness for the nationals to develop and really kind of form into a much more complete pitcher. And with Henry, he didn't, he didn't see time at the alternate site, but having him in instructs, you know, he, he's been as advertised good life on the fastball, good breaking ball um, change up has been better than, than club officials were expecting. And the look of both of these guys are, you know, two college pitchers who could move quickly and they're particularly high on them. Yeah. It, it's going to be important. I mean, we, when we ranked the farm systems at mid season uh, after the draft, we ranked the nationals 30th, you know, worst farm system in baseball. And, you know, this is a team that went from winning the world series last year to finishing with a third worst record in the national league this year. Um, it's an older team. 
you know, they're, they're going to need help. You can't just go out and buy everything. And I think with Cavalli and Henry and Jackson Rutledge, uh, you know, that's a pretty interesting, uh, you know, trio of guys. I mean, they're, they, you know, they, it's, they're pitchers. You're probably not going to hit on all three, but if you could hit on, you know, a couple of those, you know, th- th- then you could, you know, rebuild that rotation, you know, at, at a low cost, you know, major league salary wise and, and devote payroll to other areas. You know, it's, you know, Rolich was a guy, Mike, I, I was really interested in looking forward to seeing what he was going to do this year. You know, he was a guy who, you know, he was known in high school. We, we knew who he was coming out of high school for the draft. Didn't pitch a lot of Arkansas his freshman year and then just blew up as a prospect at San Jacinto junior college last year. Um, you know, just power fastball, power slider. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, I can say it's about hundreds of guys, but I was really curious to see how Jackson Rutledge was going to do in 2020 and we didn't get that chance. And I will say one thing that's interesting with both Rutledge and Cavalli, their last two first round picks, both those guys were players, you know, from doing our, our pre-draft work and talking to teams, the, the Nationals coveted those two guys, yep. but didn't think there was any chance Rutledge was going to get to 17 or Cavalli was going to get to 22. And, and it happened. Both years, they, they got those guys, and they couldn't believe they got these big physical guys with power stuff. So, um, you know, from a national standpoint, the development of those two guys and Cole Henry, I think, is going to be very important. You know, not just how good they become, but how quickly they get there to, to prop up that pitching staff and they can pour some resources into other areas of the club. And just to build off what you just said, Jim, that the Nationals covet and target these these you know big power arms. Uh, just to put into perspective, Jackson Rutledge is six eight. Cavalli and Henry are both six four. Like these are big dudes, um, you know, especially Rutledge. But it, it's power stuff, but also um, you know a surprising feel for for pitching to go along with that power. Yeah, Rutledge six eight two fifty. He's a big boy. Yeah, um, and, and he's been. Uh, consistently upper 90s sliders improved he's repeating his uh, delivery a lot better this fall and, and all three of those guys Henry Cavalli Rutledge took step forwards and, and had really impressive um, you know either alt-site uh, fall campaigns or both so we're checking in with every club that's uh, has an instructional league going on uh, over the course of uh, a few week period um Mike also has stories up on the D-backs and the Brewers. Um, we're going to be checking in with every team, so be sure to check in at MLB.com slash pipeline for all of those reports. All right, let's wrap up by answering a mailbag question. We got this from the underscore Trent Nato. Or, or that, is that Trent Nato or Trent Nato? What do you, what do you guys prefer? It's got to be Trent Nato. Yeah, Trent, probably Trent Nato. Trent Nato. All right. From the underscore Trent Nato. Who is the top relief prospect? In your opinion, my choice is Caraway. That's not my choice. That's that's <laughs> choice. Who is your choice, Jason? You the, as Trent Nato. Nato's choice. You know what? Um, I don't know. I, you know, we were we were talking about this uh, a little bit before uh, we started, and I was questioning whether you would include starters who look like they'll inev- inevitably end up as relievers if you're. Uh, uh, you know, does that rule out, does that rule out crochet? Um, I know Jim, you, you're, uh, I've heard you talk about Caraway quite a few times. You were a big proponent of, uh, him actually reaching the big leagues this year. Is he, is he toward the top of your list? Yeah. I mean, again, I think this looks, it depends on how you look at it. If you want to look at guys who are purely relievers and I will admit, I've not scanned all 30 teams, 
it might be Burl Caraway. Um, you know, this is a guy who, you know, was a mid eighties, Texas high school senior, the Dallas Baptist first recruited as a center fielder velocity start taking off as a freshman. Now he's, 93, 98 with, with spin rates and, and riding action. It might be the best playable fastball in the whole draft. You know, I had some scouts told me they thought it might be, he's got a, a power seventies curveball with just super downer break. Um, and, and he's, he's strictly a reliever. He's six feet. He's not real physical. There's some effort in the delivery. So you could go, you could go with him if you're going pure reliever. Now, now that said, and I do like Burl Caraway a lot. A couple of years ago, I really liked Durbin Feltman coming out of TCU. I thought Durbin Feltman could rush to the big leagues pretty quick. And right now Durbin Feltman has dropped off our Red Sox top 30 list and, and Burl Caraway has yet to throw a professional pitch. So I, I've, I've gotten overly excited about college relievers before. I, I think if I were answering this question, I, I looked at it, I, I started looking at our top 100 list guys. I thought were going to be relievers. Um, I do think you mentioned crochet. I think he's going to be a starter in the long run. The two names, the, the one guy that, you know, even though he's been developed as a starter, even back in college, there was some thought, maybe this guy winds up as a reliever. He's had trouble staying healthy. Um, that'd be AJ Puck. I, I could see AJ Puck with his fastball and slider being a Josh Hader type of reliever out of the bullpen. And maybe that's the way you keep him healthy. And then the, the second guy, and he's not as far along in his career. We, we got to see him in the fall league last year. He's got crazy stuff. Doesn't always know where it's going. And maybe he winds up being a reliever is Shane Boz with the Rays. So if I, I would probably pick one of those two guys, if we're projecting where guys might wind up, might wind up. And these are my picks, but thinking back to that preseason poll we did for executives about who the best, uh, you know, future closer is in the minor leagues. Most executives selected a guy who's currently a starter. And if, if memory serves correctly, it, it was names like Michael Kopech, um, Nate Pearson, Hunter Green, guys with just a lot of power, uh, you know, big fastballs. But at the time, control issues, um, you know, Pearson's obviously made more progress than Kopech and, and Green on that front this year. But I think you can still make a case for, you know, Pearson being a potential bullpen asset. And I mean, I think it was his last outing of the year. It was his only relief appearance and he struck out like five of six guys. So that was a little, little taste of what he could be in that role. All right. There's your answer. The underscore Trent NATO. You can uh, send your questions in for us to answer on our weekly podcast. You can tweet them at Jim Callis MLB. Uh, you can tweet them at Jonathan Mayo. You can tweet them at Golden Sombrero, Mike Rosenbaum, and you can email them in to pipeline at mlb.com thanks everybody for listening to this week's episode of the pipeline podcast look out for a new episode every week on mlb.com itunes or wherever you get your podcasts